Hey, welcome and thanks for stopping by this science fiction podcast from Third Flatiron Publishing in Boulder, Colorado. We're featuring a story by Steve Cote today called Jacked. Uh-oh, the boss wants to talk to you. You've given your all to your employer, so that shouldn't be a problem. Except, what's with these handcuffs you're wearing? Steve Coates published nearly a dozen stories, and his newest, Wolf's Bane, will soon be appearing in Purple Sun Press's Coven Anthology. You can visit his website at coatrack.blogspot.com. That's coat with an E on the end. Steve works as a copy editor for the Pulitzer Prize-winning South Florida Sun Sentinel in Fort Lauderdale, where he gets plenty of inspiration from today's increasingly strange current events. This discomforting little tale first appeared in the third Flatiron anthology, Only Disconnect. For more from Third Flatiron, check out our website at www.thirdflatiron.com and subscribe on iTunes. And now... Here's Jacked, read by Keeley Root. Jacked by Steve Cote Fergus McKay snapped awake. What the hell? He was seated in a cold metal chair, his shackled arms resting on the gleaming chrome table before him. A length of chain linked the shackles, running through an eyelet at the center of the table effectively securing Fergus in his seat. Fergus looked about the room. On the opposite side of the table sat two chairs. The walls were a dull gray. In the top corner roosted a camera. Beneath it, another chair. Hey! he shouted. Hey! What's going on here? Hello? The knob on the lone door rotated, and the door swung open. Bob Stout, Fergus's supervisor held the door open for a severe-faced woman with her brunette hair tied back in a tight bun. She had on a cream-colored silk blouse, navy skirt, and matching heels that clicked against the floor as she entered. Behind her followed a man who stood an inch or so shorter. His belly chutted forth, pushing open the pinstripe jacket of his suit and threatening to overcome the waistline of his pants. The man wore glasses in rectangular frames, and his brown hair swept back across the top of his head and was tied off in a ponytail. As Bob closed the door, the woman seated herself in a chair set away from the table, beneath the camera. The well-fed man hovered near one of the chairs at the table opposite Fergus and turned towards Bob, pushing his glasses back up the slope of his nose with one finger. Finished with the door, Bob moved to the other vacant chair, and the two men seated themselves. "'What's going on here, Bob?' Fergus asked. "'Where are we? Is this all tech?' He raised his hands as well as he could. "'Why am I chained up?' "'Hello, Fergus,' Bob smiled across the table. "'I know you have a lot of questions, and we have a few for you as well. "'But before we begin, I'd like to make a couple introductions.' Bob indicated the man seated next to him. "'This is Randolph Guillermo from our legal department.' He's a licensed attorney, and he's here both for your protection and Altec's. What? Fergus blinked, mouth agape. Bob tilted his head toward the woman in the corner, who had crossed her legs so that one dangled in the air. And this is Marjorie Nolan from Human Resources. She's here as an observer to ensure that no one's rights are infringed upon. Bob leaned forward, and his voice fell to a whisper. Don't call her Marge. 
Trust me on that one. I feel like my rights are pretty infringed upon right now, Fergus emphasized his point by lifting his hands and slamming the shackles around them against the table. What do you say, Marjorie? The HR rep cleared her throat. <clears throat> Given the situation, I see no infringement of rights occurring at this particular time. If and when I do, I will follow the proper protocol. The situation? Fergus looked from face to face. I just woke up in chains. That's about everything I know about the situation. Does somebody want to fill me in? Fergus, Bob began. You're one of my best programmers. That's why it hurts me so much to have this conversation with you. Are you firing me? Fergus's brow creased. Why would you need to put me in chains for that? Well, Bob lowered his head. Now that you mention it, we are letting you go. He raised his head to look at Fergus. But that's not the entirety of the matter. He leaned back in his chair, gesturing with his hands. You see, the thing is, you committed a crime during work hours on company property. That's an offense that requires immediate termination. Even if everyone in the company loved you so much they wanted to have your children, the company would still be required both by its own bylaws and the law itself to fire you. What are you talking about? Fergus made fists of both hands. What crime? Bob grasped the top sides of his nose with a forefinger and thumb and applied pressure. And he removed his hand. I can't tell you that. Of course you can! Fergus slammed both his fists against the surface of the table. Just say the words! Bob held a hand between them, palm up. No. From a legal standpoint, and the good of the company, I'm not permitted to tell you. So you can tell me I've committed a crime, and you can fire me, but you won't tell me what it is that I did. That seems unfair to me, if not more than a little unethical. He turned to the HR representative. Don't you think? Marjorie somehow managed to straighten her already perfect posture. When you were first employed with Altec, you signed a contract stating that all actions, thoughts, and words produced by yourself during your time of employment with the company become work product, the intellectual property of the company. This also makes them responsibility of Altec. As such, when a crime is detected, either in progress or after the fact, it is the legal responsibility of the company to contact the authorities and terminate the employment of the offender. Quite frankly, you are lucky to have been told anything at all. This is a right to fire state. Neither cause nor explanation is required for your termination. Fergus took a moment to absorb this information. I'm not looking at the text of the contract right now, but I'll assume what you've said is accurate. When I was hired, I also signed away my consciousness to Altec for 10 hours a day. I spent my entire shift, except for my lunch break, jacked in. He tapped the node just above his left ear. And because of corporate regulations and neural software, unaware of everything that occurs during that time. So tell me, how can I be guilty, let alone fired? 
for a crime I can't remember committing. State versus Brown, 2024. The lawyer pushed his glasses up the ridge of his nose. The ruling established that crimes committed during periods of corporate non-lucidity were actionable by law enforcement, and the individual, not the company, bears complete responsibility for such. The attorney gave a little shrug. Accepting cases where the company was found to have been in collusion with the criminal, whether through action or inaction. So you're just going to hang me out to dry, with no clue as to what I've done? Sorry, Bob shrugged. It's the law. But isn't the idea behind punishing criminals to rehabilitate them by making them feel remorse for their actions? How can I feel remorse for something I've done if I have no memory of doing it? Fergus pulled at his restraints. I'm not a criminal. I don't care what you say. Settle down, Fergus. Remaining a safe distance away, Bob put a placating hand out. When the police get here, I'm sure some of your questions will be answered. They do have to charge you to arrest you, after all. Why can't you tell me what I want to know? The lawyer cleared his throat, and he and Bob shared a look. Then Bob looked to Fergus once more. Look, Fergus, legally my hands are tied here. He looked to Fergus's chains. Sorry. Until now, you've been a model employee. I hate to lose you. Bob stood from his chair. Well, look me up when you get out, and maybe we'll be able to find a place for you. Out? So whatever I did was bad enough to merit a stretch in cryo? Be smart, Fergus. Bob called over one shoulder as he reached for the doorknob. Marjorie smoothed her skirt and stood from her chair as the lawyer struggled to rise. Bob pulled the door open, and Fergus called out. Wait! Bob stopped in his tracks. Fergus turned to the lawyer. You're a lawyer. He shut his eyes in concentration. R Randolph, right? His eyes opened once more. And you're here as much for my protection as for Altex, supposedly. So start protecting. Tell me what I'm up against. Randolph cleared his throat again and settled into his chair, folding his hands together on the table before him. He waited for Marjorie and Bob to exit the room before speaking. When the door had closed behind the others, his hands parted. What I want to establish at the outset of this conversation is that because of the way the law is written, and due to the fact that you have yet to be formally charged with a crime, I am limited in what I can detail for you about the specifics of your situation. Fergus arched one eyebrow. It is true that I am here for your legal protection, and that of Altec, although technically you are no longer an employee and therefore not afforded the benefits of legal representation. However, at the time of the crime, you were an employee, and in a state of unconsciousness, I was jacked in, as you say, and therefore you were unable to make any decisions regarding legal representation while you were gainfully employed, thus to avoid possible legal action against the company, that window of decision-making becomes retroactive. I'll put the question to you now. Do you seek legal representation in this matter? Yes! Very well. Randolph raised a hand in the air and made cutting motions. After a couple of seconds of this, he set the hand on the table. The camera is off. Everything said from this moment on is bound by attorney-client privilege. 
But you'll share it with a company anyway. The lawyer shrugged. Only what they need to know to protect their own interests. You're not really in much of a situation to complain about my methods. So what did I do? And how do I get out of it? As I said earlier, there are certain things that I can't tell you because of the way the law is written. He gesticulated in the air. It might be better if we were to couch this conversation in hypothetical terms. Okay then, hypothetically speaking, what did I do and how do I get out of it? Let's say that a computer programmer is jacked in during a normal shift. The employee's work is monitored, as are his neural processes, purely as a matter of maintenance on the node, and the programming used to establish anonymity during the work shift. This means that all of the employee's work, feelings, thoughts, any electrical impulses that cross their brain, are sifted through by Alltech. Yeah, yeah. It's like a 24-7 NDA. If you don't know what you're doing, you can't leak it to a rival corporation. The lawyer nodded. So when Alltech discovers that one of the thoughts this hypothetical employee is entertaining involves a serious crime, they are required by law to notify the authorities immediately and detain the employee until their arrival. Fergus leaned back in his chair. This is all about a thought that flitted through my head during my shift. I'm being arrested for thinking. Hypothetically speaking, of course. Who am I supposed to control what I think? Especially when I've signed away my consciousness for ten hours a day. It is a danger of this particular kind of work, which you acknowledged when you signed your contract. In any case, those are not the questions you should be asking right now, answered his attorney. As I mentioned earlier, legal precedent in this area has already been established. What are my options, hypothetically speaking, of course? Now you're thinking, Randolph steepled his hands before him and leaned forward. The way I see it, you have three viable defenses. Well? Randolph held up a closed hand. First finger shot out. First is temporary insanity. I would advise against this defense, as it rarely goes well with juries or judges in cases involving corporate non-lucidity. A second finger shot forth. Next is faulty monitoring. If we can prove negligence of an Alltech employee charged with the monitoring, or a glitch of some kind in the machinery involved, we might be able to get you free of the charge. That doesn't sound so bad. Except it's a difficult thing to prove without subpoenaing the company to reveal secrets about its technology in open court. And as one of the company's lawyers, I cannot ethically do that. So, I'd have to find some other way of proving it. Ah, and the third option? If you were to have a medical condition of some sort, Randolph put a hand in the air between them. Don't say anything about your health until you've heard me out. If you were to have a condition of some sort, Perhaps mild schizophrenia or bipolar tendencies. Something neurological and requiring medication would be best. Then the commission of the crime might be looked on with more sympathy. You'd certainly end up with a more favorable sentence, if you don't get off entirely. Well, how, how would we go about that? The shuffling of feet could be heard in the hall outside. 
Well, despite living in an age in which nearly everything about anyone is public record, medical records remain private. Proving a person's condition is simply a matter of finding witnesses and doctors willing to testify to such a claim. Of course, that defense would make your neurological condition a matter of public record, meaning your employability... The door to the room opened, and two police officers in full protective gear stepped inside. Move aside, sir. We'll take it from here. Randolph rose from his seat. I'm his attorney. You can talk to him down at the station. Right now you need to move aside, unless you'd like to be charged with obstruction. The attorney stepped aside, and the officer he'd spoken to leveled a fierce-looking rifle at Fergus. The other policemen set about unlocking Fergus's chains. Fergus Mackay, he said. Yes? Hands on your head, please. Fergus complied. The officer moved around behind him, then snapped a handcuff around one wrist, directed it down behind Fergus's back. You're being charged with second-degree thought crime. The officer grasped the other wrist, directed it down toward the other, snapped the other cuff around it. Do you understand you're being charged with a crime? I understand I'm being charged. What I don't understand is the charge. Take it up with a judge. What about my rights? You can take that up with a judge, too. The officer pushed Fergus toward the door. As he was hustled out of the room, Fergus turned to his attorney. Option three! Randolph nodded as the room emptied. It really is the best for all parties, he said to no one in particular. Then he retrieved his digipad from a pocket and called up his appointments. He shook his head. It was going to be a busy day. His schedule for the day was filled with half a dozen more consultations, just like this one. Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns.